Hello divine souls, Jamila Bernie here with Becoming the Big Me. I'm so excited for this special segment of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. This section of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing the stories of conquest for some incredible individuals. They are also featured in my latest book, Becoming the Big Me, The Great Conquest. In this section of the podcast, we will dive deep into each of their stories and their journeys and their hardships from addiction, PTSD, loss of loved ones and children. This segment of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing their stories and and sharing their journeys, not only of the hardships, but sharing how they overcame. To learn more about the authors behind the stories that you are going to hear, go to thegreatconquest.com. And if you would like to purchase a copy of The Great Conquest book, you can go to bit.ly slash greatconquest. And without further ado, let's dive into the amazing journeys. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm so excited, you guys. I have with me here today uh, the amazing Sharon Lecter for the Becoming the Big Me, the great conquest section of this show. Sharon Lecter is an entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, international speaker, chartered global management accountant, and most importantly, a mother and grandmother. With a 35 career as a licensed CPA and a long education advocate, she is the founder and CEO of Pay Pay Your Family First, a financial education organization regarded as a global expert in financial literacy. Sharon has served as a national spokesperson and presidential advisor on this topic. From joining forces with the inventor of the first electronic talking book and helping expand the electronic book industry to a multi-million dollar international market to co-authoring the international bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the many books that followed to her work with the Napoleon Hill Foundation and so much more. Sharon has a lifetime of conquest under her belt, but that hasn't been without obstacles. In 2012, Sharon experienced a devastating loss that led to her putting herself on autopilot. It was in this moment of darkness that Sharon had the realization that led to her next project, the Play Big Movement. Hey, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on. I am delighted to be with you always. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, I'm just so blessed to have you here again. Um, If you guys don't know, or if you haven't been listening to my show since the beginning, I did have Sharon on my podcast when she was launching her book, Exit Rich. So if you guys have not checked out her book, Exit Rich, you guys should go and check that out as well. So thank you so much for coming back for this section, Sharon. Um, If there's anyone in our audience who is not familiar with you, can you just give uh, the audience a little bit of your backstory and your history? Well, certainly. Thank you so much. And um, Exit Rich is my 26th book. My my career has started in the accounting industry, as you shared, but 
I, at the age of 25, decided I wanted to be my own boss. And so my entrepreneurial career started. I started and sold a woman's magazine. I started the talking children's book industry, books that had the strap, strip of sound down the side with the inventor and grew that around the world, learned a lot about the power of association. And then my oldest son went off to college and came home in credit card debt. I was pretty mad at him, but even more mad at myself. So that was December of 1992 probably long before many of you were even born, when I was really dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education, and entrepreneurship education, and started working with school systems, advanced a few years, got the call from my husband, introducing me to this guy named Robert Kiyosaki that had this idea for a board game. I met Robert at a beta test for the cash flow board game. I was the only one that got out of the rat race, but I believed in it because it was consistent with what I was teaching. So I volunteered to help him commercialize that. And during that process, he told me he wanted to charge $200 for this board game back in 1996. And I said, well, you probably should write a brochure. And that brochure was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He asked me to be his partner and we co-authored Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then we formed a company together and over our 10-year working relationships, we wrote 15 books together and built the Rich Dad brand around the world. And so that really was made a huge impact on personal finance. When I made the decision to, to leave the Rich Dad company is when I got the call from President Bush. I was able to serve both President Bush and President Obama on the first Presidential Advisory Council for financial literacy, which was a huge honor. And at the same time, the economy was kind of going upside down in 2008, 2009. And that's when the Napoleon Hill Foundation reached out to me and asked me to reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill, which was another incredible honor. And I wrote Three Feet from Gold, Outwitting the Devil, Thinking Rich for Women, Success in Something Greater with the Foundation. It's just been an incredible relationship, help reinvigorating his teachings for the modern reader. And along with that, I started my own company, Pay Your Family First, and have all kinds of materials to help young people and um, entrepreneurs take control of their financial life. And then my most recent book, Exit Rich, was done in cooperation with Inc. Magazine. So I help people do a lot of mentoring one-on-one -on -one and group mentoring, helping people identify those one or two things that they need to do to move their business and life to the next level. So that kind of brings you up to who I am and where I've been, been around, love to help people create the greatest success. That's amazing. And if you're listening to Sharon's life story, you might be thinking, wow, she must have had it made. She must have had it so easy for her to be able to achieve all of these things in her lifetime. And I know that that is certainly not true. Can you dive into a little bit of the obstacles that you have faced along your journey, along the way as you have achieved all of these great successes? Well, certainly. Well, I started off where I lived in a very lower middle class environment. So my parents didn't have high school education. So we, I was the first generation to go to college. And so I really I knew I had to work. If I wanted something, I had to work hard for it. And then I was one of the very first women in public accounting. And um, I got well before the term sexual discrimination happened. So I was in a situation where I was recognized for my talent, but I wouldn't get the, they wouldn't give me the, 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 the title of manager because it would upset the men who started with me. It's like, I got to really 
cold awakening that um, you had to really work extra hard to get through the, the be successful in a man's world. And that was one of the reasons I made the decision to, to leave public accounting, go into, into um, entrepreneurship. But, and then of course, my relationship with Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad organization, I had to come to a point where I said I had to stand in my truth. I had to stand in my integrity. I made the decision to leave at the height of our success. It was a very difficult separation, a difficult time. But all of that, every bit of that pales in comparison because eight and a half years ago, I lost my youngest son. And it really, you're not supposed to leave your children and it makes everything else pair in comparison. And so I literally found myself living life in neutral. And I call it my world of numb for several years. And as I've shared my story, I played a big game with talking books, was working with Disney, Sesame Street, Warner Brothers, um, building the Rich Dad organization around the world, working with Time Life, Warner Books, all kinds of very strong companies. But when I lost my son, I literally started playing really small and it was not a good time. And I got a lot of pushback from family and friends when I decided I should just retire. And I think I even heard my son in my ear, get over it, mom, there's more for you to do. And so I made the decision to start playing big again. But part of that decision was to not do it alone, to open what I was doing and help other people understand that no matter what's happened to you, no matter what has stopped you in your tracks, it could have been a death, a divorce, a financial setback, an illness, you're still here for a reason. And what you've been through, you've survived. And what you have experienced, what you've learned, you can help others going through the same process. And so the Play Big movement is really being number one in your field, living your legacy because you create your legacy every single day with every heart you touch and creating maximum impact. And I, as soon as I made the decision to play big again, all kinds of things were happening for me and they were always there. I just couldn't see them because when you live life in sadness or fear, you look down, it's like you have blinders on. And when you make the decision to look up and live a life of faith, not fear, those opportunities are there and they come to you. And so that's my message to people. Play a bigger game. People, people need to know what you know, and you can help other people going through the same kinds of things that you've gone through. When you're going through those, those dark days, I know that there, it can be hard sometimes to, to get even to get out of bed, to even complete the most simplest tasks. Is there something that you do that helps you to continue to move forward and to continue to push through these obstacles that inevitably we are going to have obstacles on our path? I think one of the biggest things is to understand that when you are, when you are debilitated like that, you're really allowing fear to overcome you, that sadness. And you do, you want to get in a room or turn off the lights, get under the covers. And, and it's, it's really hard that, that, that angst and that depression. And of course, we've had a lot of that in the last year and a half with the pandemic. So it's really important to understand the power of having the right people around you. Because when I lost my son, I, I probably wouldn't have survived as well as I did if I didn't have incredible friends that were around me, they kept my head above water, they kept me moving. And so it's really important to, to not 
turn off the lights, but to continue seeking the truth, understanding that you you do have more to do and, and you're still here for a reason. And it's really hard because getting out of bed is tough sometimes. So I tell people as it relates to your business, successful businesses solve a problem or serve a need. And that's what you need to remind yourself. What problem are you solving? What need are you serving? And in the morning, when you don't want to get out of bed, you just want to roll over, remind yourself of why you're doing what you do. What's the problem you solve? What's the need you serve? And that gives you, it takes it outside of yourself and it gives you that energy to get up and keep going. Mm. That really does help. How, how do you dive in and find that inner, that inner driving force? Well, I think part of it is understanding that you, the, the personal success equation, which is at personalsuccessequation.com, is something that I share in the book, Three Feet from Gold, which was the first book that I did with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And it talks about combining your passion and your talent. And most people stop there because they think they have to do everything on their own. But true success comes from your passion and your talent times association times A, finding the right people, having people on your team, having people who are strong where you are weak, having the right mentor, having the right advisors, times A for action, taking action. So your passion and your talent times the right association times taking action plus F for faith, faith in yourself, faith in what you're doing, faith that is needed necessary, and faith that it will succeed. And when you combine all those elements, passion, talent, association, action, and faith, you will create success and you will find people attracted to you to support you because you are driving results. You have faith. But too many times that faith is actually fear and it's holding us back from creating the success that we deserve. Hmm. Are there some habits or rituals um, that you integrate into your life to help cultivate faith? Because I know that that's a constant process of of having faith in yourself at each new level, at each new step. There's going to be those fears that begin to creep to creep in. So how do you keep solid in in knowing and in your faith? Well, there's always times when that gets questioned, but number one, taking care of the vessel. I happen to be someone that was always putting myself last. And I know a lot of people watching and listening to this probably fall into that category. And you have to take care of yourself because um, you, if you don't, you're not going to have the kind of life you deserve. And so proper nutrition, proper exercise. But I also have tremendous faith. And uh, when I lost my son, someone sent me a little book called The Prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkinson. And it's a a little prayer that's in the middle of the Old Testament. And it says, please bless me indeed. All right. So you're asking God to give you blessings. Enlarge my territory, which means let me have a bigger audience, a bigger impact than even I can imagine. Let your hand be with me meaning making me your messenger, giving me the delivering to me what you want me to say, that I may not cause harm or be harmed. That four-line prayer is about giving up and being open to the possibilities of, of being more impactful than you can imagine, saying the right thing for the right people to help them discover their next best life as well. 
And so this prayer, it just helps to get you back into that state of faith and, and remind you. Faith and gratitude. I say the prayer of Jabez before every interview, before you and I got on, before every morning when I get up and every night when I go to sleep. It sounds like you have anchored a very positive feeling in, in that habit. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, part of it is we, we, sometimes we get lost in our own mind and we go within ourselves. And it's important to, to realize that you are um, a, a piece of the world. And my husband and I own a ranch here in Arizona, cherrycreeklodge.com is a guest ranch. And I go there a lot when I'm, when I'm not feeling the strongest because I see myself compare my little problems compared to the beauty of God's world mm. and realize, so go to nature and allow yourself to find peace in nature and realize that um, you're going to look back on today and realize it wasn't as bad as you thought it would be. So, mm. so self-care can be a buzzword these days. And there's so many different definitions of what self-care actually means. Uh, what does self-care to you personally mean? Well, it's not just what you eat and what you drink and how you move. It's also setting boundaries. You know, obviously nutrition is very important and exercise is very important. Uh, my husband and I have been on a pretty strict regimen for the last few months to get ourselves back in, back in shape, as well as there's, there's a saying, and I, I don't know who said it, so I'm going to, but, but um, takers need to set boundaries. I mean, excuse me, givers need to set boundaries because takers never will. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, you know, it's very impactful to me because we tend to give, give, give until we deplete. And you can't do that. You have to set boundaries. You have to give, not with the expectation to receive, but you need to give and take care of yourself. You know, there are a lot of caregivers out there tend to get sick because they, they're giving and giving, giving. They need to take the time to take care of themselves. And part of that is understanding how to say no. You know, what, what, what can you say no to and learn to say no to things so that you reserve time for yourself and time to create the future you deserve? Hmm. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, anyone who is on a path of trying to impact the world or make a difference in in the community or anyone's lives, it can be really, really hard to say no, because you can get into this mode of I can do it all. I can help everyone. So how do you structure your, your decision making so that it's easier for you to know, OK, this is aligned or, or this is not? Well, I have a client, Jessica, and she says, it's not FOMO, fear of missing out. It's JOMO, joy of missing out that you should be looking at. <laughs> um, I love that. But it's, um, I think you have to analyze each action. Is this something that is in alignment with my goals? Is this something that's going to drive me towards them more quickly? Am I going to be able to serve more people? You know, of all those, and does it make me money? And all of those things are, are help me make the impact I want to. And those are things that you want to do. If this is just because I'm being asked to go somewhere, or it sounds fun, or it's, you know, well, somebody asked me, so I should do it. You need to analyze that and say, is that the best use of my time? And that's really, it all comes back to that because time is our only precious resource. We can make money, lose it, and make it back. 
but you can't get your time back. And so be very, very um, greedy with your time. I say, don't spend your time, invest your time. Mm-hmm. That means knowing what you're doing and how you're applying your time towards your goals to help you achieve what you want. I know that you are extremely passionate about passive income. Is this, is this because you understand the value of your time? Is this where that? Well, can- yes. Too many people chase money. They exchange time for money because that's what we're taught in school to be an employee or a self-employed individual. And I want to wake people up. I don't want you to be chasing dollars. I want you to be investing your time in buying, building, or creating assets. Those assets will work for you. And that's truly the investment of your time. So those assets become economic engines working for you. And you can have as many as possible. Now, when you're chasing money with your time, you only have so many hours in the day and only so many days in the week. So it's very, very hard to have expand what you're doing. So instead of spending your time for money, invest your time in buying, building, and creating income-producing assets. And one of my biggest taglines is assets are sexy. And the older you become, the sexier they become. (laughs) So for someone that is my age, I'm 26 years old. For someone that is my age, what is your biggest suggestion for us to start doing right now? We'll start thinking about assets, businesses, real estate, intellectual property, what you know you can create assets from, paper assets, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Start paying attention to what you can create that can become an economic engine for you. At 26, you've got a huge opportunity to create financial stability very quickly. Yeah, I know there's there's so much to learn and there's so much to go. And you have done just so much in your career that there is just a wealth of knowledge for us all to learn from. Um, One thing that I'm really curious about is because I personally have a belief that the hardest obstacles for us to go through teach us the most impactful lessons that actually, if we choose to, can launch us forward the fastest. Um, I'm curious what you believe, what you think of that belief. And I'm also curious if what your greatest lesson would be from your greatest obstacle. Well, um, Napoleon Hill said, out of every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. And so and a lot of people, particularly women, tend to make a mistake and they let it define them and they like consider themselves failures. And one of the biggest things I teach is a failure or a mistake is not a definition. It's an occurrence. It's something that happened. So look at it and say, okay, what am I supposed to learn from you? And then let it go and keep moving forward. And that's a huge problem for a lot of people because they're so emotionally attached to the fact they want to be perfect. They want to be right. And they make a mistake and they just like internalize it. So it's like put that cone of protection on and say, okay, that didn't work. Learn from it. Next, what else can we do? And it's very, very important. I mean, I when I made the decision to leave public accounting to go with one of my clients, it was the worst business decision of my life. But had I not made that decision, 
I wouldn't have met a young attorney named Michael Lecter, and we're celebrating 41 years of marriage. So it's a living example of a adversity creating the seed of an equal or greater benefit. My worst business decision granted me my best life decision. So success is not a straight line. We have ups and downs and ups and downs, but hopefully your trajectory is to where you deserve to be. Hmm. And do you believe that we have control over, over that trajectory? You have control over your thoughts and your actions. You have control over the people you surround yourself with, and you have control over how you spend your time. All of those things can be combined to create success in your life. Hmm. So how I want to know, can you walk me through what your day looks like currently? Certainly. I get up in the morning and my husband and I take a three-mile walk and then we do some weights and then I sort of look at my calendar for the day. Many times I'll have three to four interviews like this one that I work around. I've got several interviews for someone, a job we're trying to fill right now. Today, I have just gotten off the phone with someone that wants me to do a tutorial for his 8,000 employees around the world, which makes me always excited because that enlarges my territory. Um, We have um, our family lives in town, so we're constantly checking in with them and getting together with them. We We just came back from our ranch, which we love to go to as often as possible. And this evening, um, when we finish here, I have a client. I have mentoring clients that I do on a daily basis. So I have two clients that I'll be spending a couple, an hour with each and helping them propel their business forward. So that's my typical day. And you have, I know that that hasn't always been, that hasn't always been what your typical day has looked like. Um, Can you, when you were like, let's rewind back to when you were first launching um, into your entrepreneurship adventures and how, how did you find through your journey to get to a place of balance in your life where your, your, where your day could look as it does today? Well, I number one, I don't believe in the word balance. I don't believe in work-life balance. I always say balance BS, which I don't say bad words. It stands for before Sharon, because I believe we have one, and it's in my book, Think and Grow Rich for Women, I address this, because we have one big life. We have our spiritual life. We have our financial life. We have our family. We have our physical life, and we have our faith. All these things work together to create who we are. And too many times we spend precious time, back to time, to worrying about something that happened yesterday or worrying about something that may or may not happen tomorrow. And my definition of the word worry is to pray for what you do not want. Let me repeat that. To worry is to pray for what you do not want. That means you're focusing on negative outcomes. And what happens if you are a student of Napoleon Hill is the law of attraction. When you focus on negative things, you attract negative results. So I say, stop worrying. And when you catch yourself wanting to worry, say, okay, wait a minute, I'm not going to concentrate on what I don't want to have happen. I'm going to retool my thoughts into what I do want to have happen. And it really is magical because you get rid of the negative. Your mind cannot hold positive and negative at the same time. And so you can start focusing on what you do want to have happen and start moving towards that, towards that possibility. 
But when, when, when you feel out of balance or out of sync, it's because you have not paid attention to all those areas of your life. I'm part of a new company right now that I'm very proud of because it's all focused on all those aspects of your life, family, fitness, finance, friends, field, your business, fun, faith, all right? And it helps you set those individual goals with personal development that is uniquely tied to you. And it's called ULA. And um, you guys can email me. I can talk to you a little bit about it and share with, a, with what I do as a myula.com ulalife.com forward slash Sharon. Happy to work with anybody that wants to be able to understand how to create this gamified goal setting process that's, that's really specific to you. Hmm. So you just mentioned something interesting. You said gamified goal setting process. I want to hear more about that. Can you, I have just really recently um, been diving into learning about gamification and just like how to gamify your goals and gamify your life. Can, so I would love to hear um, your perspective on that. Well, I love it. These guys have been friends of mine for a long time, and they created this brand, ULA, which is really focused on understanding that it, we have many facets to our life. And so they spent a lot of time putting together whether you know, a process that you go through to create the blueprint for your life. And so the answers that you would have at 26 are going to be different than my answers at 67. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, you're not going to, we're not going to go through the same program. And that's what I love about it because it's not just one size fits all. It's going to have information that comes directly to you for where you are today and where you want to go. And you go through this in assessment. And so the assessment in those seven areas of your life may be finances you need the most work on, right? That's not an area that I need work on. I need a lot of work in the fun department. So everybody's assessment comes out unique to you as to where you are right now. And you can set goals as to what you want to create. And when you set those goals, a personal development package unique to you is sent to you every single week to help you get to where you want, but you make a commitment to daily goals. And then there's a daily goal tracker that allows you to show what you're doing and how you're staying on top of what your, your goals are. And, um, you know, it's something that allows you to create the life that you deserve. And that's something that I think is very important for people to have, to be able to have fun while also not just goal setting, but, but goal achieving. Right. And, and that whole process of gamification, it, it helps bring us back into the child, like the, the inner child, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, so you go to myula.ulalife.com forward slash Sharon, or just eat, reach out to info at SharonLector.com. That's super awesome. I, I absolutely um, love that. So you, when, when we are hit with, with just absolute sadness and, and devastation in our life, it can be so hard <laughs> to, to train our minds to go back um, into the positive mindset and to transfer those negative thoughts in, into positive thoughts was there a process for, for you personally um, that helped you 
Um, as you were going through the loss of your son, was it, you know, for some people, maybe journaling or meditating or different things? Well, um, you prob- the stats are that married couples don't survive the loss of a child very often. It's a very stressful time. And my, my husband and I both recognize we had such a high level of respect for each other that we needed to process our grief differently. He needed to kind of disappear all by himself, just like, just mourn. Um, I needed to have the support of my dear friends and family. And so we, we allowed each other to mourn the way we needed to. I mean, so when bad things happen, you can't just say, get over it. You got to like go there and know that this is a horrible thing and you have to feel it. And then you have to chart your course out of it and know that action when you take action, you become empowered. And if you allow yourself to stay hidden and quiet in a dark place, it just becomes more difficult. And so I tell people, don't wait for the beacon of the light at the end of the tunnel. Don't wait for that white knight on a shining horse. Um, create your own stability. Stand in your own power. Become your own beacon of light. Mm. I... Oh, that just gave me chills. I just have to share this with you. So my grandmother passed away last year um, in November of 2020. And I was with her throughout the last several months of her life. Um, And throughout that process, it is what launched me into writing, (laughs) writing and releasing my first book, my first children's book, um, which was inspired by poems I wrote for my own daughter to help her get through the process of losing my, my grandmother. And also my grandmother had, and I had always talked about writing books together and we never got to do that. So losing her really forced me to play big, like exactly what everything um, that you teach is about. And that is what launched Becoming the Big Me. That is what launched the podcast. Um, And that is what actually we ended up having our first interview two days after my uh, 26th birthday, my golden birthday, um, which was January 26th. I was turning 26. And our first interview for the podcast was on on that day. And your teachings um, and your books, actually, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was introduced to me by my mom um, when I first got into the my, building my first business as well. When I was uh, had my daughter as a young single mom at 17 years old. So this just shows the power of truly like what happens when you do choose to play big, when you do choose to step into your power. I never would have thought back in December of 2020 when I was reading Outwitting the Devil and I was reading Sharon's annotations of that book. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is everything that like I've been thinking. I never would have thought that I would have been talking to Sharon um, a couple of months later and again here today. So I just continue to show up every single day and continue to show up and put myself out there. And you guys, that truly is, this is an exact example of everything that Sharon has been talking about today, everything that the Play Big movement is about. And I I just had to share that for you very quickly. (laughs) 
Well, I appreciate that. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that because that really does bring it home. Everybody's journey is unique and personal. And we all have things that stop us in our tracks and cause us to, to go inside ourselves. And that's why it's so important to have the right people around you, the right mentor, the right advisors, people that can see that pain and kind of like, you know, allow you to see a better future. And then, and then you find yourself, you find the fact that this is okay. I'm, I'm sad. I'm going to go there. I need to be sad, but I'm still here. And then there's more for me to do. One thing that I love that you mentioned was just allowing people to grieve in their own way. And I think that's something that needs to be highlighted more um, because oftentimes even in, in families, it can cause strife between families, just as you were saying, between husband and wife getting divorced after a loss of a child. Um, how, like, how did you get to that understanding? Were there other people in your family who, who didn't understand the way that you were grieving? And how did you set your own personal boundaries uh, for yourself against people that had the best intentions, um, but just wasn't the way that you needed to grieve? Well, I think the biggest lesson is to know that you can't change someone else. You can only change how you respond to them. And so if there's, if you are grieving and there's somebody who's trying to tell you how to grieve or trying to tell you to snap out of it, um, that's not you, that's them. And so I talk about put that cone of protection on yourself. Nobody knows you better than you do. And maybe that them helping you snap out of it is important. Maybe that needs to happen, but maybe it's also you're not ready and you need time. And so you can just say, you know, I'm not ready yet. But, but they're still there because they care about you. And so allow yourself to be aware of those people that are truly there to support you or people that, that are trying to guide you, or maybe it's just people who are trying to judge you. And that's, you have to think about it and say, okay, what is this? Are these people that really, I mean, I had dear friends who had good intentions, but they'd come over and they wanted to start talking to me about their kids who were having trouble. And that's not what I needed to hear. Or somebody would come and say, oh, I know how you feel. And they, they didn't lose a child, so they didn't know how I felt. And there was no ill intent on their part, but it just didn't land appropriately. And so you have to be, judge what you need, how you need it, and realize that you can't change other people, but you can certainly change how you respond to them. Mm. That is so profound because even our own even our own children a lot of times we think that we can influence how they're going to respond and understanding uh that simple truth that we we are only we can only control how we respond is going to save a lot of strife in a lot of families it is and you know our kids you know we want to shape them but we, we want, we should be their mentor, not their enabler. And too many parents are, are enablers for their children. Be a, be a mentor, draw it out, draw out their brilliance, allow them to discover and be creative and curious. Mm. Mm. So when you, when you had the realization that you were living in autopilot and that you were no longer playing big, was that, was that a slow realization? Was it like you just woke up one day and you're like, 
I, I haven't been doing it. I need to change right now. Oh, I knew it. Well, I knew it from the moment I got a phone call that I'd lost my son, that I went into a place that was dark and I was there for a long time. Um, I would still do work. I would still go and do things, but I knew I was doing it without the level of excitement and heart that I wanted to be doing things in. So it's, it's pretty obvious when you get yourself into those dark places. And was, was, there, was there a moment when you started to see the light again? Well, I think when I made the decision to retire and I started getting a lot of pushback about um, from family and friends saying, what do you mean you're going to retire? We still need you. We need you. So I think that's, you know, part of it is, is being, being open to listen to other people and help and letting other people help you. And then, and, and, and that's what started the play big movement. So can you tell us more about the play big movement? Well, yes, I launched when I made the decision to to play big again. You know, I was already in my 60s, so it's like, okay, do I really want to keep? Do I want to start a new initiative? And I said yes, but I don't want to do it alone. I want to invite other people because I'm not the only one that finds myself in this sadness. And so I launched the Play Big Movement. It's a private Facebook group. It's free to join, but I basically said um, it's for anybody that wants to wants to be number one in their field, live their legacy and create maximum impact. And we've not promoted it. We haven't advertised it. We have close to 3000 people that just said, I want to play a bigger game. I'm, I do weekly um, broadcasts and people are in there supporting each other, sharing what they do. And it's an opportunity for people just to say, I need to play a bigger game. Hmm. And can you tell us what else, what else do you have going on in your world today? Because I know there's a lot. <laughs> well, I have a lot of, a lot of new initiatives. This company, ULA, my ULA, um, the, that I'm part of the really helping them build that company. So I'm very excited about that. I'm also part um, of eXp Realty because I saw the formula, the formula that helps people build personal wealth. So any real estate agents out there, please reach out to me because the formula that eXp provides is not just the transactional revenue of selling, buying and selling houses, but also gives you the opportunity to have a revenue share as well as equity stock in the company. No, no other company offers that. So if you're a real estate agent, reach out to me, info at SharonLector.com. So I got involved in that because I believe in the model and too many real estate agents live commission to commission and I want them to be able to build personal wealth. And then I'm also very involved with Cardone Ventures. Grant Cardone and Elena Cardone have, a, um, have built incredible empire. But Cardone Ventures is all about helping people take their businesses to the next level. And Brandon Dawson is Grant's partner in Cardone Ventures. And I've worked with him for many years. And he took his last company and sold it for $151 million. So we're helping people 10x, 100x, you get their companies <laughs> to the next level. So yeah, I've got a lot of new things happening. And in fact, I'm going to be speaking at the 10x Ladies in October. Anybody interested, go to 10xladies.com forward slash Sharon. Love for you to come. We're going to have an incredible event. It's called Power Players. Mm. And I just have to ask one final question. Sharon, what does becoming the big me mean to you? 
It means being the best you can. And people always ask me what success means. I said, success, you know, is really how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror. And becoming the big me is just making sure I was raised by a father that asked me each night, Sharon, have you added value someone to someone's life today? He's been gone for 15 years, but I still ask myself to, to become the big me means that I am still playing a bigger game and impacting other people's lives in a positive way every single day. Mm. Mike drop. You heard it here first on the becoming the big me podcast. Thank you so much, Sharon, for sharing your energy, your gifts, your talents, your treasures with us here today. Do you have a final thought? If, if just to one final thought, if the listeners only retain one piece of information from this entire podcast, what do you hope it is that they take away from this today? Well, just remember you are the CEO of your own life. We're all where we are today because of the choices we made before today. If you want something different, you want something better in your life, just start making different choices today. And reach out to me, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, SharonLector.com. I'd love to hear from you. Yes. And of co- as always, you guys, I'm going to put all of Sharon's links in the description down below. So I know we talked about so many different things because Sharon is just such an incredible woman who has is really changing the entire world. Like she has changed the industry, so many different industries. Every single person that I know has been impacted by you in some way, shape or form, even if they do not know it consciously, like you guys, Sharon has just such an incredible woman. So I'm going to put all of her links down below so that you could check out all of the incredible things that we talked about here today. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you. I really appreciate it. for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I know that you found value in hearing this story today, and I would love if you could show your support by going and grabbing a copy of our book. And you can do so by going to bit.ly slash greatconquest. You can also go to www.thegreatconquest.com for more information about each of the individuals involved in this process. Thanks again for tuning in.